season, ending a season, starting a new year, and uh, I'm Russ Shaw. Uh, recording this in my car because it's been a busy week, <laughs> trying to carve out time to to get in the studio, and uh, my studio, basement studio now is what I got going on. If you go to uh, the Facebook page for this here podcast, it's called Heart, Mind, uh, Love, Sex, and Affection on Facebook. It, it, there's a picture, the background picture is of the uh, studio, the basement studio, if you want to check it out. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm not doing a not doing a studio show for the season finale. Uh, what? I just I wanted to get something up. It's already Friday. It's already the eighth as I'm recording this, and I wanted to uh, hey, let's put a show up. It's 2016. Let's close a season. Let's stop something to start something. Right. So, a lot of life is like that. Uh, my name is Russ uh, Shaw. For those of you who don't know, I've uh, been doing this podcast for a little over 10 years now, and I have experienced 10 years of ongoing sexual sobriety, to use that word. Freedom, victory, however you want to put it. Uh, 10 years. And... I'm here to tell you, to give you some hope, if I can do it, you can do it, alright? If if I can experience this kind of freedom over this thing, this kind of sobriety, uh, so can you, alright? I'm I'm a 47-year-old Uber driver, alright? I I drive for Uber and Lyft now, uh, full-time, that's my full-time gig, and... uh, I was in the pizza business for a long time, sold uh, pizza to big companies like Nintendo and stuff like that, companies around here in the Seattle area. Um, I did not graduate summa cum laude, all right? I've not been to any college. The closest thing I got to college was uh, I was at the University of Washington selling weed, all right, and other various... uh, mind-altering substances. It's about the closest thing I've come to any formal university uh, training. So, uh, but but this podcast is about uh, some of the things I've learned, stuff other people have learned, and research, and I'm kind of a geek. I I geek out on this stuff. I enjoy studying it, so bringing to you some of the uh, things that are helping to have people see some relief, see some behavior change, see some life change, see a, a new chapter in their own stories. And that's why I continue to do this. So again, I'm not the most disciplined guy in the world, all right? Uh, I'll take away a lot of excuses if you listen to me long enough. Uh, but I won't. I won't go into that. But I'm just here to give you some hope and to tell you that seriously, man. If I can do this, you can do it too. And uh, not just follow me, right? Everybody's story's different. But uh, man, again, there's there is hope. There is healing, and I've seen a lot of people get uh, get free, get 
some of this under control, and and that's good, and that's hopeful because it, it got very dark for me. This this thing had its hooks in me deep. I I, I didn't even think it was possible to see freedom over this. I I, I really didn't. I, I I started losing hope, just about gave up, and here we are. One of the things I have learned, though, as a guy who drives a lot, and my major source of income from the last 20 years has been being on the road, right, behind the wheel, um, I've been able to study, I've been able to be in a like a fly on the wall to some of the most prestigious universities in the world, which is awesome. Not saying that I know everything, not even saying that I'm an educated man, but the fact that I have been able to listen to some of the most brilliant minds, um, hang around them, let them rub off on me, right? If you will, it's that, it's that being around those kinds of folks while they practice their craft as professors, as teachers. Um, and yeah, it's not just the study of the people with degrees, right? And the books. Um, that's kind of like 30,000 feet. And I'm very honored, you know, my the fact that I, I get to know a guy like Seth Taylor a little bit who has a, a master's in theology and culture, right? His wife has a master's in, in counseling. Learning about this doctor in Vancouver who is an MD, uh, similar approaches. I've been um, in groups with people, all right? I have looked in the eyes of folks who were really struggling and really hurting with this thing, as I have been folks were there with me when I was wondering if my marriage would survive. Um, I've been on the phone with listeners to this podcast when their marriages were coming apart, when divorce papers were served. Um, that's kind of ground level, right? There's the, there's the education and then there's the, the ground level stuff. Um, I've been humbled and, and, and even, I'll say, blessed enough to have experienced both. And, and I really do have a passion for seeing people get some freedom over this. Because there's a ripple effect that, you know, it goes throughout time. Our lives touch our kids and, and our kids' lives touch their kids. And there's just a huge ripple effect and you're you're worth it all right your family is worth it the people that your life will impact i drive people right now from point a to point b there's some logic in there right like we can look at our lives and think of recovery for example is a good one uh we just had a turn of the calendar, right? Sometimes I put these shows up two weeks after the 1st of January for a reason, you know? Because that calendar change makes us feel like, all right, you know, it's a different year. It's a new start. I want to get from point A to point B. I, and that's a logical part of our brain that's saying that, right? Like, I don't want pornography to control me anymore, so I'm going to start 
you know, disciplining myself to do the things that I, I may have already done before that I, I wasn't able to hang on to, but I'm gonna get back on the wagon, right? And I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna put these logical steps into my, my brain and I'm gonna really try this time. And how is that going? I don't know, maybe you're crushing it, right? Maybe we're on uh, January 15th and you're going awesome, like I'm doing awesome, right? I hope that's you, I hope that's uh, how you're doing. And listen, I'm not knocking some of you guys who've made that decision to start, all right? You realize a very important truth about life that someday is not a unit of measurement of time, right? Like, we mark time by things like 2016, um, January, uh, Wednesday, right? Someday exists in the ether. Someday, or one of these days, that exists, it's static. It's not real. The important thing is to start. The question is to start what? Seth would say my pilgrimage. I would say the journey from sexual addiction or sexual compulsion to sexual integrity. And I define integrity as simply a pin on a map. Like here's where I'm at and here's where I'm gonna start. Start. Because studying addiction, studying recovery for a long time, this kind of thing just doesn't happen overnight. And really, in the last few years, the science on some of the stuff that uh, my friend Seth Taylor was talking about is is starting to be measured uh, among people who are, are addicted to some of the most stickiest of substances, like heroin, oxycotton. Um, I want to take a different approach. It's a brilliant quote by Albert Einstein that I like. He says that logic may get you from point A to point B. He said, but imagination, imagination will take you everywhere. That's very true. Um, imagination kept me stuck. Imagination also was part of the ingredients that God used inside my own story, inside my own gifting to help set me free. Alright? And I'm not saying that I'm totally free of everything, you know? I've still got my, my bad habits, you know? I still have my vices, but I'm a lot freer than I used to be, man. I'm not worried about my wife picking up my phone anymore, you know? I'm, I'm right? I'm not worried about computer stuff. Um, my addiction was before smartphones, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, uh, uh, the history on the computer. Part of me, somewhere in my brain, left over from all of my years of being a porn addict, still has this little twinge every time my wife will click on history. Like, she goes, something we watched or something we looked up, and she'll go into, uh, you know, the browser, whatever browser she's using, and look at the history, and, I, and part of me still, it's weird that it's still there, that little thing inside me. Even though I'm, I'm not 
like looking at stuff I shouldn't. I'm still, uh, you know, there's still that thing in there. I, I still feel it. But then I, right? I have that breath of fresh air because I know she's not gonna find anything. And it's not because I'm hyper sneaky. It's because I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that person anymore. Um, and that's good. That's good news. But a big part of that was learning that my impulsiveness was stuck somewhere in my body. And that my imagination fed on it. Alright? Um, I heard a guy, he's a, a coach for people with ADHD. And he said that impulsiveness, right, the way to harness impulsiveness. And maybe this is what C.S. Lewis was talking about with that red lizard metaphor. At the end of the story, he gets on the, the, the stallion, right? This black stallion that used to be the red lizard and he rides it off into heaven, right? Maybe what he was a good metaphor for that. It's not just the red lizard of lust. Um, a good metaphor for that is realizing that impulsiveness, when harnessed, when saddled, is creativity. And creativity just it just flows out of someone whose burdens have been have been laid down. And yes, this is the season finale, but don't feel like you have to go and listen to the whole season. This is not a television show, all right? Um, but do subscribe, all right? This is uh, starting a new thing, uh, a new approach. Um, if you'd like to give back, put some uh, gas in the tank, so to speak, you can donate. Uh, supporters of this podcast keep it alive and I appreciate every single one of you who who donate to the show who comment on the show that's another way non-financially you can uh, give back is to simply go to iTunes and, and make a comment uh, I would appreciate that immensely there we go this is a little shine down more shine down on the podcast asi247.org click on the music tab if you would like to buy the music that I play on the podcast even see when the bands are touring uh, links to the band's websites there's a Spotify playlist yes there's a Spotify playlist for the ASI podcast and uh, most of the songs that I play bumper promos for on this uh, here podcast are in that playlist. So, 
Yeah, check that out. Anyway, uh, keeping my nose clean with the recording industry as I play what's called in talk radio anyway, promo bumpers. But so I want to do end this season of the podcast by going back to the beginning of the season and how this season, season four, was really inspired by focusing in on what makes us, what motivates us, right? Like, what makes us do the things that we do? When it comes to recovery, when it comes to overcoming addiction, one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, getting to some basic just philosophy of the human experience is helpful, right? Like, why do we get our asses out of bed in the morning, you know? Why do we get up and, and eat what we eat, we do what we do, we, we live how we live, um, these are these are things that are fascinating to me. And there was a guy that wrote a book, uh, his name is Daniel Pink, I believe, and he wrote a book talking about the motivation trifecta, and right, there, there are these three things that everyone is motivated by. And basically, this is not like a, a book on addiction or on a psychology or behavior. It is a little, but it's more for people in business. And what I found fascinating about it is that most people are not motivated by money long term. All right? Now, short term, we're pretty much motivated by money, but you can give incentives and bonuses and stuff, but that long term in a in a workplace environment, that does not motivate people. And those things are the trifecta is, according to Daniel Pink, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy meaning like what do you want, right? What do you want from your life? And if you're given the freedom to go after what you want, what would you do? You know, and then mastery is hand in hand with that. Like what are you good at? What do you want to do? Um, the book Purpose Driven Life was one of the reasons I started this podcast. It was, you know, he, he asks that question. He says, what, what have you been gifted with? Like, what do you like doing? Go do that, right? Give that a try. And then purpose. It's kind of the unfolding and the seeing of, of your life, you know, starting to unfold. That you're not just throwing, you know, your life energy down some pit or some hole, right? That you actually have a purpose to how you live your life. To the ripple effect that you leave on your family and others. And, and it's not always about, you know, a job. It's also, you know, your your spouse, how you're going to love other people, how you're going to maybe meet a spouse, um, how you're going to love the spouse you got, right? Love the one you're with. Um, all of these things are, are incredibly important. And so so that was season four. Um, and moving into season five, um, I've been doing some research. Uh, Seth Taylor, my friend that I had on the show recently, wrote a book, uh, Feels Like Redemption. In the last year, in unpacking some of this stuff and doing more research on this stuff, uh, learning about more about emotion, right, and, and it's how it affects us and how it 
drives us, right? That's, I think that's the name of his book, by the way. Uh, Daniel Pinkman's called Drive, right? What, what drives you? It's a good question to ask. So we are more driven by emotion in that motivation. We, we mix emotion with the things that we want and then the logistics and, and, and then we create a life out of that. Spirituality. Right, my as a, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, sometimes I have a hard time with that word. Right, I'm a Jesus follower. As a guy who loves God and believes that God did walk among us, that he he's not bound by the constraints of time and space. That what if God put on human flesh as the Son walked among us, and so my my spiritual life. My higher power being Jesus Christ, that has had a, a huge impact on the way that I do life as well. Um, spending time in prayer, realizing who God is, right? The nature of God, grace, mercy that abounds from, from the creator of the universe. Um, that has been a huge one for me and my story and people that I know who have seen freedom. It's realizing that there's more to this life than just wires in a box. Like you're, you're more than just what you see, feel, taste, touch, right? It's like, it's like the Matrix. <laughs> Film the Matrix. I go back to that a lot. Um, there is a world underneath that we do not see. Um, Alice in Wonderland was one of the first authors and creatives that really kind of delve into this deeper layer, this spiritual reality, mind, body, spirit. If you're missing the third one, um, I, 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 keep listening, all right? It's just, that's part of my belief and, and a big reason I, I, I enjoy today the freedom and sobriety that I do. You know, again, I'm not Mr. Know-it-all. I'm not the guru. I'm not, hey, follow me. I know everything. I know. I, um, I'm just telling you my story and, and the things that I've seen. And that is a huge one. All right? Um, one of the things I've learned during season four and talking to the people I've talked to and going through the process of... Mars Hill Church, which is, is this really cool, um, hip sort of, right, grew really fast, awesome church that also fell um, because the pastor was the center piece, right? I mean, the pastor became what that church was ultimately all about, and when he uh, had his moral failings, I know they say that he didn't have moral failings, uh, you know, I, I guess it depends on how you how you unpack and how you define morality, all right? The guy just quit on a whole city of hurting people rather than go through this, the, the discipline, right? I mean, he hurt a lot of people. There was authority above him that said, hey, we want you to get help. We want you to maybe see your sorry to some of the people you hurt. And instead of doing those things, he quit, moved to Arizona. So having that happen was painful, all right? Um, but one thing I really learned from it is that 
you know, the book of Revelations, chapter 2, the letters to the churches, uh, Jesus is the one that puts out lampstands, all right? Um, the splintering off of the leaders from that church is, is going to be a good thing, I believe, as we learn from our mistakes as a city, as a, as a bunch of people spiritually. Um, but one of the biggest things that, that I was challenged with recently, I listened to lectures. I listened to a lot of lectures over the years. I listened to a, a lecture at Biola University, uh, you know, psychology and theology, how the two combine. And this professor was saying, he was talking about how it's, it's, it's hip and cool to tear down the church, which had me feeling defensive, right? Like my first feeling was like, yeah, well, we have a reason, you know? I mean, like getting all defensive and, I, and it, it, my, like my friend Seth said, it triggered me. It, it made me mad. It, it, I was angry. But I listened to what he said and basically what he was trying to communicate was that the church, the wider church, all right? I, I talk about American evangelicalism like it's a freaking virus. And, <laughs> okay, the church here in the States, even the American evangelicals, um, Jesus loves them too. And God calls his church the bride. And rather than um, tear her down, I want to respectfully offer help. That could be one of those season four cliffhangers, right? You know, where they they end the show with this cognitive dissonance and you're like, how is it gonna, what are they gonna do? I can't believe they just ended it like that. <laughs> you know? So you're, you have to wait, uh, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, here's the cliffhanger. How is Russ Shaw going to respectfully approach this entity called the church, you know, in, in uh, season five? Because that really is my heart. Like, I really want to work on not being disrespectful and being more with a helpful kind of energy, with a uh, running in with a first aid kit, punching the pastor in the mouth. No, no, see, stop. That's right there. Don't do that. I'm not, I am not advocating physical violence on pastors. But there does need to be some accountability, uh, right? Somebody's got to speak up and, and not let some of these cats get away with some of the stuff they have. Um, I'm just a voice, all right? But I'm going to love the church and, and not be... Um, and not approach it as, as disrespectful. So <laughs> stay tuned because I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to pull that off. Uh, also, Russ at ASI247.org. If you feel like I've been disrespectful or mean towards a certain, I don't know, like denomination or the church altogether, maybe uh, an email towards me would, would be helpful. Like I, I do take constructive criticism. Um, help be my coach, right? Russ Shaw. Life coach could use you, uh, whoever you are listening right now, is, is some help in that area. Uh, anyway, closing the lid on that. I'm tired and thick and cold. I hide in my music, forget the day, and dream of a girl I used to know. I close my eyes and she slipped away.
that there, my friends, is bumper music from the film Inside Out. Have you seen this film? It's awesome, all right? I've been wanting to talk about it for a while. We saw it in the theater when it came out. Um, great film. It is an animated film. Um, there's a few critics, film critics, all right? Because a lot of people, you know, say that, oh, animated films are for kids. And I had kids. I also was a kid. You know, so are you. Uh, but, you, oh, well, we mature, and the storytelling is different, and, you know, this is written for kids. And it is, but it's not. It's written for people. I mean, ages. This is a great film uh, for any age. But for adults, it's 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 probably the most adult kind of uh, G-rated animation film I've ever seen because there's a lot of stuff in this film kids aren't going to get but adults will uh, but it taught here so Inside Out if you haven't seen it spoiler alert alright go see it maybe hit pause on this episode because I'm going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it alright and I think you should see it it's that good it is it is good it's probably one of my favorite it is it probably it could top my favorite films for 2015, and that's saying a lot because I saw Star Wars, um, but I saw it in 2016. So <laughs> and technically, it was made in 2015. But when I saw it, my wife and I, it was 2016. So anyway, uh, I, I went off on a little tangent there. Getting back to the film Inside Out, Disney Pixar. It's about feelings. And that's something I talked about in season four. Like, why are Christians, especially religious people, so afraid of feelings? I think that there was an era, and I've talked about this before. I will reiterate for those of you who are new or haven't heard, but I believe that there was an era around the 60s and 70s where it was okay to say that feelings don't matter or that feelings are bad. And this came out of psychology. There was a, a, uh, a psychologist named B.F. Skinner who said, you know, some of the stuff that Freud said about emotion and, and this guy kind of took off on some of that. And basically, the premise is this. Um, emotions are a leftover byproduct of our evolutionary biology. And they're part of our, our lizard brain. And they're part of that, you know, that, that, that energy thing in us that just wants to survive. That just wants to um, eat, uh, consume, right? screw, procreate, um, and inhabit the land, whatever, right? So that was, that's, and, and basically what the guy was saying was that, that it's an emotional byproduct that we should, if we could be more logical and think about our lives as logical human beings, take a step back from our emotions, which is positive to a certain degree, right? Like, don't let your emotions just run wild, but I do think that that's that's good and fun, and everyone does that. Everyone, everyone lets their emotions run wild because we are emotional creatures. But this guy is kind of saying that if we could think more logically and be less emotional, maybe we would not do so much damage to ourselves and others. Um, so that was his approach, and that approach was was popular. It was the popular psychology 
of the late 60s into the 70s into the 80s if you look at theology because in the 80s you hear a lot of pastors kind of going at the same thing right in in, in saying oh the emotions and these artists and rock and roll is the music of the devil and stuff like that right so that crept into that thinking later on in the in the 80s as well so when these guys make a movie about emotion <laughs> I'm listening because that's a big one man people you have to realize that you are an emotional creature um, some of the, the neuroscientists today I was listening to at Berkeley uh, a guy named Richard Ivy I believe is his name and he was saying that you know without emotions you wouldn't do anything like we we are not logical creatures the only reason we do anything logically is because we feel something and then our emotions drive us to do that logical thing that we should should or ought to do or ought not do, right? Um, we are primarily functioning emotional beings first, alright? We act, we react, we don't act based on how we feel. That's just, ugh, that's where we are, that's our home base, man. God made us that way. I would say theologically. God designed you to be an emotional creature. Read the Psalms, all right? There's a, Psalms are this psalmist. They're, they're this music. They're songs and they're lyrics. And, the, and it's just emotional pouring out, all right? So feelings are a good thing. And the film Inside Out, here's, here's the premise for you. Uh, here, here's what it's about. You have an 11-year-old girl, and she is... Uh, She's in a situation, right? Like, she's in a family. She's an only child, uh, but her family decides to move from Minnesota to the Bay Area, like San Francisco, right? And the characters in the film, the main characters in the film, are her emotions, right? So they get a zoom inside her head, and she has these these characters, and and basically the five characters that they've set up for this, the feelings are joy sadness, disgust, fear, and anger, all right? And so all of these these emotions, and they make up Riley, and she is the main character, along with the emotions that we get to see that are going off in her head, which is just a brilliant way of storytelling. Uh, here's, here's part of the trailer the audio from it anyway there's a there's a scene where they're sitting at the dinner table with Riley having one of these difficult family discussions you know and uh, the mom and the dad are there as well Riley's parents and you get to see into what their emotions are doing <laughs> so and that's in this trailer here you go so Riley how was the first day of school fine I guess pick up on that. Sure mm -hmm. did. Something's wrong. Signal the husband. <clears throat> Uh-oh. She's looking at us. What did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What? I'm joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. <laughs> We're Riley's emotions. <laughs> Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? 
this? She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Three, Joy. No, Let wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Can I say that curse word now? What do we do now? Nothing's working. Why isn't it working? We have a major problem. Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. What was that? Was it a bear? There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. He looked like a bear. This place is huge. Imagination land? No way. Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn. She's right there. I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part 7. Okay, bye. I love you. You can't focus on what's going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around. It's Broccoli. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. So, yes, Inside Out, with uh, some more 80s music in there. Boston? Chicago? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, there's those two bands that are the names of cities. <laughs> I can't remember which is which. But, uh, so, Riley, right, has these emotions going off in her, her head, and it's just a great word picture of how our emotions can grab the controls of our life and have us do certain things, react certain ways, behave in certain ways. Sometimes joy is in control and we're pretty happy, joyful people. And sometimes fear is in control and fear isn't necessarily a negative emotion. Fear can keep us alive, right? Don't run in the street. Uh, stuff like that. Um, anger, disgust, these emotions can grab the controls of our life for a certain period of time and have us, you know, walking in a certain direction. That's how it works in the movie Inside Out is, you know, certain emotions or a couple of different emotions will be in control of the, the board, so to speak. So, to set this up, Riley is it's sort of like uh, Star Trek. Have you ever seen Star Trek or, uh, I don't know, a movie about boats, right? Where you have a bridge and there's a, a team of people on the bridge who are controlling what goes on on the bridge, right? Like, so in, in the Star Trek TV episodes, you would have, you know, Captain Kirk and you, you would have all these characters who are, who are moving the ship right forward and, and controlling certain things, right? So it's much like that in this film, Inside Out. So, you know, they're like on the bridge of, of Riley, you know, and they're seeing what she sees. And they also, behind them, they have this landscape of her personality. And her personality has all these different lands. Like, you know, some of them are hobbies and some of them are family. Um school, right? So she has all these different traits to her personality that are in the shape of sort of like looking like cities. And they're growing up out of this, you know, this kind of, 
uh, you got to see the movie. Anyway, so they're growing up out of this pot, so to speak, right? And it's very much like we are. Um, again, going to going back to the the book Drive on motivation. Um, I could say something like, uh, especially when I was younger, <laughs> I feel like if I had more money, that would motivate me to do a better job. And there's some truth to that, right? Like people who are paid really poorly, you know, especially in like a retail sort of a thing, like working at Walmart, <laughs> I don't know, and throw that out there, right? You, you may not do the greatest job, but... Even the people at Walmart were, were saw this, that you help motivate people in different ways than, than money. Build a team. Um, we can feel like money would help us do a better job, but is that necessarily true? We can feel and, and be driven towards that end, and a lot of people are. A lot of people are very driven by money for a certain extent in their life until they find their lives are are dry, right? And I'm not saying that making money or being wealthy is bad. There's a lot of really joyful, happy, wealthy people. But if that is your only motivation for life, for purpose, is just to make more money, uh, that doesn't work long term. And truthfully, this is something I've seen in recovery. So the reason why a lot of recovery doesn't work is because it's focused on the wrong things. We're focused on knocking out steps. Alright? Yes, I said it. I'm not saying that the 12 steps are bad. I, I know that, you know, once you finish one of these steps, that's kind of what you're doing in the 12-step movement. You're going through and... but. Part of part of one of the things I've talked about doing this podcast is why are you doing the steps? Why would you get, you know, on the the, the wagon, so to speak? And, and and that term again is is something I don't like. Also, because it's not dealing with again autonomy, the the motivation of where we're going. We're not trying to master anything because we feel driven by something we're good at or gifted by. It's just, you know, you have to get off the sauce, buddy. So you got to go to these meetings. For example, like Seth Taylor was saying, a lot of the focus in a lot of groups and churches is just, it's all centered around getting off of porn. Stop using porn. And if that's what it's centered on, it's not going to work long term. And it hasn't worked long term. And some of the discussions I've had with, um, like, Craig Gross, right? And and I've been emailing Craig back and forth. And, and you know, what Seth is talking about here, this is stuff that is working. Um, some of the study I've done in, in psychology, right, with uh, The Body Keeps the Score. There's another guy, I'm trying to get a hold of his publisher, I'd love to have him on the show. He wrote a book called uh, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, and seeing some real change and some really positive things that are happening, life-altering, people getting off of horrible addictions to like heroin and methamphetamine and people that were living on the streets in in Vancouver, Canada. And and this man has used some of these techniques to see change in in that realm. And I I love that this is going on that we're having these discussions especially as Christians. 
I love Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. I see the gospel as, as good news. There is so much to be gained by understanding our mind and our body and our spirit, right? Our spirit is encased in this body. And I'll be honest with you, I was a stranger in my own body for a long time. Going back to the film, you know, my core memories that, that I was dealing with, you know, the, the thoughts, the events in my life that spawned on the thoughts that created this mosaic of who I am slash was, right? Some of these core memories get replaced. Some things get forgotten. Uh, in the film, memories are are symbolized by these spheres, like marbles. And there's thousands of them that Riley has. But there's a few that make up the core memories of who she is. And that's getting down to some of the roots of who we are. Our, our core memories. Uh, and, and that's part of what happens with joy and sadness is that every time, as Riley's getting older, as, as she's starting to mature, she, the, the sadness character is compelled to grab a hold of some of these core memories. And when, when sadness touches the core memories, they turn blue, right? And then joy freaks out and goes, don't stay away from those, stay away from those memories, right? And, through a series of events, joy and sadness both get sucked out of the the bridge there, right? The control room of Riley. And so Riley is left with just anger, fear, and disgust, which is, I don't know if you have kids, but if you have a teenager living in your house... <laughs> there's, some, there's some real truth to this. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, I digress. But seriously speaking, um, you know, the more we give ourselves over to addiction, and speaking of maturity, which I believe that the, the film Inside Out is really a story of maturity. It's, it's, it's an emotional story uh, of maturity. As we mature, you know, the, when we become addicted to a substance or even a behavior like using pornography or um, compulsive eating, uh, gambling disorders. These these things can tend to suck out or destroy the um, the ability for joy and sadness to to work in a healthy way in our lives. Uh, and that's what's really cool about this film too is that sadness is not the villain, right? Uh, and I don't want to give it away for some of you. I know that some of you are still listening and you haven't seen the film. But <laughs> the way that it works out with sadness um, and joy, the way they work together, is, is... I mean, it brought me to tears. I cried during this film.
Yes, and again, that's the band Red, little bumper there in it. That song reminds me of part of the beauty of this film, showing what's real in between joy and sadness, right? Um, we try and artificially, and I've seen this, and this is something that I think Seth Taylor and his brother put together in this book is seeing the difference between when we make the fight, right, the fight against porn and, you know, making it about a war on yourself or a war on your own behavior or a war on your own desires. When we start really investing in that kind of thinking, it can become a fight to forget, all right, and that's that's a problem. And I'll tell you why that's a problem because, again, joy and sadness are not the bad guys of your story. You know, I hope you understand that. Yeah. Anyway, it's just very important. Joy and sadness aren't the villains of your story. More joy is a good thing. When sadness comes, it can be a good thing. There was, okay, so there was a guy who made a YouTube video about his daughter. He bought his daughter the Sadness doll. All right, there's a series of dolls, but he bought his daughter the Sadness doll. And and he's like talking about how negative it is and, oh, I couldn't believe Disney made such a thing when, when she pulled the string or whatever it was. He, sadness would say these, and, and he called them negative things. And I don't know if this guy was hyper-religious or what his deal was. Um, but it, it reminded me of some of that bad religion, some uh, bad theology. When we when we make sadness, the, the bad person, grieving becomes something that's frowned upon. And when we don't grieve some of the pains of the past, I mean, this is, again, I've been... 10 years doing this podcast, I've had to grieve and, and unpack some very heavy things from, you know, my parents being divorced to childhood sexual abuse, um, you know, some, some heavy stuff. My own actions of becoming a criminal and the damage that I did there, these are things that sadness... Can, can play a part in helping our lives, all right? Because the joy character, yeah, we love that one, right? Like, I get the joy character. We're, we can market that. Put it in the store, you pull the string, and she's going to give you positive affirmations in the morning, right? It's going to be a great day. And that's great. And, but, and that's the thing with joy. We are after joy a lot of times. When it comes to compulsive behavior, addictions, um, even depression and anxiety, a lot of times it can be because we're, we're using we're using outside-in things to try and bolster more joy. We're using uh, foreign matter from the outside, trying to stuff it in so that we can get those joy feelings, right? We want the dopamine. We want the feel good. But we we're, we have a hard time with sadness. We have a hard time with going through the dark valley. We have a hard time with grieving. We try and avoid, you know, and, and some of this is, again, not just bad religion, but bad 
psychology even. Going back to, you know, the 40s and 50s. We're always, we want to get out of pain, out of pain into pleasure, right? That's what we're after, most of us, human beings. Like, there's something in that part of our brain that is is hardwired to get more pleasure. Um, That's why I call myself a Christian hedonist, right? (laughs) Because pleasure, we're seeking pleasure. But I think that there's different levels to living a life that has more joy. Again, joy, I like that they named her joy, not happiness. Because happiness can be fleeting. Happiness happens in impulses. Happiness happens in events. Happiness isn't just your whole life is going to be happy. That's not reality. We will suffer in this world. We are mortal. I mean, that's one big one too. We're all aging. We're getting older. Things change. We get hurt. Um, Health things come up. I mean, we're mortal. There is going to be suffering in this world. It's not just about chasing happiness all the time. But... Right, the, the the ADA and the the Christian organizations and you know a lot of religious folks would just they would give the stamp of approval to the joy doll, but the sadness doll, not so much. See, clinical depression in the film. This is sort of uh, there's a scene, and I won't give it away, but there's a scene where the control board turns kind of gray and they can't. You know, the, the characters, disgust and fear and anger, they, they can't control the board anymore. See, it's not that when sadness takes over the control board that we go into clinical depression. That's not it. You know, again, this guy with his YouTube video, oh, I think you're just causing kids to get more depressed by having a product like this. And, and no, that's not it. He doesn't get sadness. He doesn't get sadness, this guy. I know I said that twice, but it's important. Um, when clinical depression sets in, we tend to not feel anything at all. Um, when our addictions leave us dry, when they no longer bring those, you know, the dopamine feelings aren't there, and that's part of progressive pornography addiction or compulsion, right? It just keeps getting darker and weirder, our, our appetite towards certain images, because those dopamine levels aren't being reached and the dopamine levels aren't being reached and we start feeling not so much sadness but we just don't feel anything that's that's the danger zone is when we don't feel anything so what's the point of having a spending so much time on a disney animated film um well the obvious really cool emotional word pictures parallels for one thing that and answering hundreds of emails over the years from folks who struggle in this area um, one of the biggest things that I've learned and I've seen as a studier a researcher and someone who's really curious about people right someone who is uh, in the study and research of human beings and why they do what they do uh, not professionally of course all right but one of the things I've learned is that we mature emotionally in in really different ways and it's funny how 
you know, you need to grow up, get a job, uh, get an education, right? And and those are like checklist things. But when it comes to emotional maturity, right? Growing up and, and having all our emotions working together to not drive us crazy or destroy our, our families or, right, just emotional maturity. And what I mean by that is my emotions, my my whole history, my core memories, my body, the fact that my spirit is living life, living out this journey, this story, in this body. I... I I really didn't know how to run this, what I've called in the past, this fleshy thing, right? The fleshy thing known as my body. What does it mean to actually continue to live a life rather than simply get from point A to point B? What does it mean to think less logically about the path of our life about the journey of our lives and more getting in touch with our bodies emotionally alright because the way our bodies are created the way we treat them the stresses we go through the things that happen to us in our story whether we sign up for them or not are, are affecting our bodies. And because they're affecting our bodies, they're affecting our emotions. And so, in this next season, season five, we're not going to be afraid to wade into the uncharted waters, according to a lot of theology, of going into the temple, right? Jesus says that our, our body is like the temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe it was Paul that said that. If we're going to treat our bodies like something holy, alright? Something that we dedicate to God. Live your life as a living sacrifice. Again, that's Romans 12. If our bodies are part of that picture, that's good news. Alright? I want to tell you that that's good news. Because maybe it's going to show some actual growth and some actual fruit. Alright? That's what will change the heart. That's what changes the mind. And that's what will change behavior over time. My name's Russ Shaw. Thanks for listening. I'm going to do a part two of the season finale because I just kind of touched on some of that. But I'm, I'm excited to enter into season five soon. It's going to be a different approach. I hope you'll stick with me. Some of the same stuff I've talked about before. Different approach. All right. Till next time, until the finale part two, bye. ASI is recorded and produced solely by myself 
Russ Shaw. This is not internet counseling. This is simply a podcast about my own journey and some of the things I've seen along the way. It is for entertainment and informational purposes only. In no way should this podcast override the advice of a professional in the area of mental health, legal advice, or therapy. Thank you again for listening. ASI247.org.